Hey, hey, Haley. Hey, Haley. Yep. So, uh, I know you're on Facebook, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, try to imagine you're trying to, like, stalk someone on Facebook. <laughs> okay? Yes. Um, I, I think it would be really helpful for, for both of us to come up with, like, alter egos or, like, Ooh. names to use. Okay. Um... Okay. for our profiles and i know mm-hmm. i'm like springing this on you right now mm-hmm. so if you've got one that's just like ready mm-hmm. off the hip but if not i can help you out hmm. well it's funny because i've always loved the name margo and it's you named your dog that so i mean i can't do that it's like the Scrubs episode where they name the hamster. I'm joking. <laughs> I mean, you could. You could just, your alter ego could be my dog. Okay, I'll be Margo. I'll there just take go. a lot of naps. See, I was having difficulties um, coming up with like an alter ego name. Mm-hmm. So I found a name generator and I want to ru- run two by you and, and you tell I'm me excited. which one you think I should go with. Now, okay. um, Obviously, I can't top Sally Field's name that she comes up with this in this movie that we're talking about, which is Lilith Cumswell, (laughs) because that's a lot of romance novels right there. There's a lot there. So (laughs) that that seemed like old timey, you know, like English stuff. So I found one I thought that was appropriate for, you know, 2020. Uh, This is a DJ name generator. Oh, boy. So. It has you do first first letter of first name, first letter of last name. So uh-huh. I did that, but I also switched it and I did first letter of last name, first letter uh-huh. of first name. So my options are George R. R. Ointment. Ew. Or Crowning Dick Whiskers. Uh, crowning disc whiskers for sure. Not not disc, dick. Dick whiskers, yes. Crowning dick whiskers. This is really bad for my slight lisp. <laughs> crowning disc dick. <laughs> crowning dick whispers. I did it. Okay. You enjoy that, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> so so you think I should go with. Sir Crowning Dick Whiskers as my alter ego. Okay. So just so you know, I I love you going with Margot for for yours, but I did find two for you as well. Okay. Tell me. So you could either be, um, let's see, Harry Fart. Okay. Or Diabetic Skidmark. Could I do could I do fart skid mark or skid mark fart? But <laughs> <laughs> just mix them both together. They're the same thing. <laughs> Miss fart mix skid mark. I like it. <laughs> how did you even like how are these DJ names? <laughs> I listen, I'm not in the DJ scene, but you know, it's it's gotta be it's gotta be that. I do appreciate that it looks like Michael's name, your husband, would be uh, George R. George R. R. McFart. 
Oh my gosh, that's a brilliant. <laughs> yep. So you let Michael know what is that Amanda's? if he, uh, Amanda's would be uh, Doctor Fart. <laughs> no, no, I'm sorry, Doctor. Oh no, it's not Doctor Fart. It's Doctor Jesus. <laughs> It's like two of the greatest experts, like, put into one, Dr. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Dr. Jesus. <laughs> I love that. All right. I think, I think we've got our name set, so why don't we start the podcast? All right. the sister and i'm zach the brother and this is laughing at ourselves welcome to our podcast about movies each month one of us chooses a theme or topic and we do deep dives in the into the films that we love hi Haley. hey zach how's it going it's going good um we're in lockdown again so let's all stay inside guys um yeah i would like to be able to go out not saying anyone is the problem, but I'm just saying. Get but there are people in. that are the problem who are being just flippant about COVID. Yes. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so that's going to be me for the next month, just inside my house, my apartment, our very small one. Um, that's coming see. for us soon, too. Oh, it's it's. It's the best. Enjoy it. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Oh, in the intro, I was thinking, like, wait, are we saying our DJ names while we do this? Because I already forgot mine. <laughs> 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 Hi, I'm Bart Skidmark. <laughs> yep. There you go. Yeah. Um, but uh, for our theme this week, we are doing a family theme, not family movies. It's just... Movies that have family relationships and types in it. And this week we, well, I chose Hello, My Name is Doris. I have seen it. Zach has not. It stars Sally Field and uh, Max Greenfield. So, yes, I'm excited to discuss that. But right now we have the pop culture corner. What is your pop culture? My pop culture corner uh, entry for this week is actually a video that Haley sent me. Um, oh. I, uh, I was not aware that Adult Swim was doing like a COVID music festival type thing, but mm-hmm. um, unprompted, my dear, dear sister, knowing exactly what is up my alley, <laughs> uh, sent me a video uh, of Thundercat performing his song them changes with guest star ariana grande Mm -hmm. which i was not expecting and it's like a a very long version of the song where he just has like a complete meltdown riff with his two other guest band members and ariana grande is just having a great time dancing around and belting it out and gotta say i absolutely loved it so (laughs) Thank well, you. Yes, I saw that, and I was just I 
<laughs> she, she's one of those artists that surprises me every single time because whenever she comes out, I think I'm going to hate her. And then I just realized, I'm like, I think if she wasn't a celebrity, we would be best friends. Just because, oh, sure. like, she's obsessed with Jaws, horror movies, and all that stuff. <laughs> she's really cool. But when I saw that, I was like, what? She knows him? What was the cartoon playing behind it? Me and Michael were trying to name it. Oh, it was Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Aqua Teen. That's what it was called? Aqua, like swimming. Aqua yeah. Teen Hunger, Hunger Force. Force. With the... It was... It was uh, Meatwad, uh, Fry, and Shake. Yes. They, they <laughs> were. I remember. So I remember when, when Dad used to take me to school, he, uh-huh. you know, we'd get up really early and he'd want to watch the news while we mm-hmm. were eating breakfast before we left. And sometimes I would convince him to let me put on like a quick 10 minute show from adult swim uh-huh. and usually it was robot chicken uh-huh. and he seemed to get a kick out of robot chicken but occasionally i'd put on aqua teen hunger force and he he was a good sport about it i think he laughed but i also think he hated it because it is just the weirdest show ever <laughs> it is i remember i watched a couple of episodes didn't you own the series or did you uh, I owned the first season, yes. Yes. And it's it's a weird one, but they do have funny parts. Yes, but in yeah. this video with Thundercat and Ariana Grande, it's just Meatwad dancing in the background for four minutes straight. <laughs> so it's great. Yes. Enough about mine. What is your pop culture corner? So I took Entry. yours. Yes. I took yours and Amanda's advice, and I watched I Can See Your Voice. Um, I thought it was pretty good. It was actually, I thought it was entertaining. I couldn't get into the mass singer, but this was a lot of fun. Um, I was really disappointed. One of the singers, uh, was a football player and he had like tattoos and stuff. And I think a nose piercing and the way they introduced him was like, he's a Vans Warped Tour singer. And so the premise of the show is we just kind of discussed it last week is you're supposed to guess if whether or not by someone's lip singing that they're a good singer or if they're not. And if you get it right or wrong, you get money. So uh, you're trying to guess it with limited information. And I had my money on the football player. He was a good singer, but I'm sad he wasn't. <laughs> Spoilers. He sucked. <laughs> he, oh, he was bad. But yeah, that was fun. That's awesome. Okay, so we are talking about Hello, My Name is Doris. Um, It is a... This, to be honest, before we get into facts, this one kind of came out of nowhere for me, Haley. Like, I did not... I had heard about this movie, or maybe Mm -hmm. I'd seen the poster, but I'm really interested to hear, like why you chose this movie and you know where you found it and why it sticks out to you because this it's also one that i think having watched it i totally get why you liked it but mm-hmm. it on its surface it doesn't feel like a movie that uh, i think would have been on either of our radars mm-hmm. so this was kind of a a surprise entry for me on on this which is yeah. it's not a bad thing it's just more i you you said it and i was like what is this movie 
And Wonderful. Did you <laughs> like it? Can you give me that at least? I did like it. Okay. I did. Okay. I did. Yeah, it's uh, it was not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have some... I have some interesting, I think, takes on this movie. Oh, I'm excited. Uh, so we'll we'll see. But let's let's give our our overview of it first. So um, this is a 2015 film. Uh, hello, my name is Doris. It was directed by Michael Showalter, and written. It was adapted uh, for a screenplay by Mo- Michael Showalter. Uh, the short story it's based on was actually written by one of his students. He teaches oh. at a college, and he took this woman's short story and turned it into a script. That is so cool. I know. Do you know the name Michael Schulwalter? Uh It sounds familiar. So he, he's been really big in the comedy realm with, like, films. Um he his big thing that he did was um what hot american summer have you seen that uh yes i have what what is what is your take on what hot american summer because i feel like it's either you really really like it or you hate it um i don't get it I like the can of beans or whoever Bob was <laughs> from Bob's Burgers. Okay. I wanted to like it so bad because it has a great cast, but I just couldn't do it. What do you think of it? I think it's very funny. Uh-huh. Um, that is that is actually a movie that I've, I've talked with Amanda's sister, Beth, uh-huh. about what movie she'd want to discuss on this show if she ever came on. And she uh-huh. said Wet Hot American Summer. Ooh, I'd be open it, to watch it. Again. Yeah, it is very much her type of comedy. Um, but yeah, I mean, Michael Showalter, he did Wet Hot American Summer. Um, he's starred in some movies. Uh, he's been in Reno 911. The big movie of his that he directed that I really like is The Big Sick. <gasps> oh, yeah, I love that movie. He he directed that with um, Kumail Nanjiani, um, and he also did The Lovebirds, which is another one that I think just recently came out. But that one's cute. He he got a lot of uh, attention for what is a, I think a great romantic comedy, which is The Big Sick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Mo- Michael Showalter directed this. It has this this movie has a pretty stacked cast. It's an amazing cast. I mean, for a 2015 film, so mm-hmm. you've got Sally Field, you've got Max Greenfield, um, Beth Burrs, um, I'm not sure. So Stephen Root is in this. Um, you have Wendy McLendon-Covey. There's um, Peter Gallagher, Natasha Leone, Kumail Nanjiani. Like, and also, for some reason, Jack Antonoff is in this movie. Which the <laughs> fuck? Like Isn't that I great? did. Yeah, I, Kyle <laughs> Moody's in it, and but I mean, I saw the cover of the the band's album that's in this, and I was like, that kind of looks like Jack Antonoff, and then it was just <laughs> fucking Jack Antonoff. <laughs> <laughs> so as Baby Goya. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's this movie is a 
rom- uh, I mean, Wikipedia calls it a romantic comedy drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is about a woman in her 60s who, after the death of her mother, uh, tries to act on her attraction to a younger coworker, which I think is a very simple explanation when really this is like... There's a lot this of is layers. About, yeah, there's a lot of layers. I mean, this is about a woman who, for the first time in her life, is unburdened by like having to care for anyone mm-hmm. and... She's also been in a state of arrested development, and so she's living out basically her 20s when she's 60 years old. Yeah. Oh, I did not notice that. So, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting take on, like, what it means to grow up when you're already old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Sally Field actually calls this a coming-of-age movie. Which totally makes sense. And I I mean, right at at the top, I would say that this movie does not work without Sally Field. Exactly. Like, she's she's great in this. So, um, yeah, that's kind of it for my summary. I tried really hard (laughs) to find... (laughs) facts on this movie uh-huh. um and there's nothing yeah like, i i looked i looked up some reviews i looked up um you know stuff from commentary but there's really nothing i mean it came out it its budget was a million dollars and it made 15 million mm. so it did pretty well uh mm-hmm. it won the audience selection award at south by southwest oh wow that's good uh, um, so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a well-regarded movie, mm-hmm. but I don't like, it's, it's not something that is really cited as like a, a big deal movie, mm-hmm. um, outside of like Sally Fields doing well. Um, what else did I find? Um, Yeah. So, so tell me about your, how you, how did you find this movie? Where, where did this one come up for you? What was your first viewing? Uh, my first viewing was, I was, when I was living at home with the parents, um, we were trying to find a movie to watch and we were looking through demand. And I remember uh, we saw Max Greenfield in the trailer and it looked really cute and funny. So me and uh, mom overshadowed dad. We're like, yeah, we're watching this one. And he clicked. So Okay. <laughs> um, and I just remember just falling in love with it. It was so good. I just, I felt good the entire time watching it. Of course, there's some hard moments, but it was one that really stuck with me. Okay. Um, did, did the parents like it? Yeah, they did. They thought it was nice. cute. Okay. Well, I do I do really want to hear more about like why this movie clicks with you, so maybe we could talk about that after the break. Yes. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. So <laughs> um we were talking about how you found this movie, so what I don't know if there's specific scenes or 
and we can get into those specific scenes a little bit later, but what has what has made this movie stick with you? It's uh, it's five years old. That like yeah. I said, it, it it's I had to dig to find stuff <laughs> on this, and yeah. it's it's not like people don't hate this movie, but mm-hmm. it just it kind of feels like it got lost in the shuffle a little bit. Oh, it totally got lost. Nobody knows about this movie. So so what is it about this movie that resonated with you? I think what resonated with me is that it's a, such a different movie. It is, and what I love about it is Sally Field. She is, she's older, um, but they don't really discuss that too much. Like she is friends with all of these people that are far younger than her, and it doesn't matter. And I loved seeing her. Um, just the way that she wasn't able to experience things when she was younger, like her first or anything like that, and get excited about it. She was experiencing them now because her mother passed. She didn't have anyone to care for. But seeing her get excited about, like, these things, like, oh, my gosh, it was just so fun to relive that and feel that with her. And um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I... I think she's just a fun character, too. She's interesting. Everyone adores her. And she she's literally an introvert that wears fun clothes. And she doesn't <laughs> yep. really say much, but people just love her. She understands, and I love that. What about you? Did you like Doris, or what did you think of it? I did like Doris. I So... When the movie started, I I was a little worried because it initially it, it wasn't working for me. Mm-hmm. Like I I I was concerned going in that they were not going to do justice to the character of Doris mm-hmm. and either make her the butt of a joke or mm-hmm. make her not a believable character. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that the movie proved me wrong mm-hmm. because um, the there are there are a few scenes midway through and then towards the end where it, you can really see she is a three dimensional character, mm-hmm. um, and so. Generally, what I was worried about, because she's an introvert, but she wears the wacky clothes, Mm -hmm. is I thought that she was going to be a 60-year-old manic pixie dream girl. Oh, (laughs) thank God she's not. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's not. And it it kind of, it it does some of what I think um, 500 Days of Summer does, which it, it sets up a woman who is like a manic pixie dream girl, uh-huh. but then de- deconstructs that and also shows that there's like a real person there. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of the battle that I was going through from the beginning, which made me feel like, Oh, this movie's weird. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, are they going to be making fun of a developmentally stunted woman? Mm-hmm. But then it becomes a story about like 
her growing up. Mm -hmm. And so it works. Because mm -hmm. um, I think in, in lesser hands, this could have been a, this is Jess from New Girl in her 60s. Yeah. And, but it's, it's not, do you get what I mean? No, I totally get what you mean. Cause there's some parts where, um, going into it, you don't want her to, I don't, they just start to give her more and more pieces. Like at the beginning, they don't really do a good job of making her, but that, I think it's mainly because the reason why she doesn't have too much background is I think it was cause she would mainly take care of her mom. So it's her kind of finding herself during this and seeing what she likes and doesn't like. 1,000%. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. No, so, yeah, I, as the movie went on, and for me, I know we'll probably talk about them a little more in depth later, but the scenes that stuck out to me the most are um, her at the concert. <laughs> yes, that's my favorite. <laughs> and then her having her breakdown mm -hmm. in front of the therapist and her brother. Those are my two. Yeah. Yeah. Like those are, I think the two best scenes and they are also, they succeed because of Sally Fields. Oh yes. So. Absolutely. Um, um, but yeah. Yeah. Throughout the, so it starts out and it's at her mom's funeral and, uh, during the funeral, her brother and sister-in-law come up to her and they're trying to get her to sell. So they live in Staten Island, and they're trying to get her to sell the house that she helped care for her mom with and, and grew up in. So they basically want to sell her home, sell all of the stuff, but they don't go about it at a right way at all. They are very aggressive. They are just... What did you think of the brother and the sister, or the brother and sister-in-law? Well, the I mean, the sister-in-law just sucks. Yeah. Full stop throughout the whole movie. Uh, Stephen Root plays the brother, mm -hmm. and I love Stephen Root. He is an amazing, like, all-time character actor. Mm -hmm. He's he's in basically everything, um, but I think you're I think you're supposed to hate the brother at the get-go uh-huh and and i fully expected him to be just a, a write-off like uh -huh. the sister-in-law uh credit to steven root and i think how the script is written uh -huh. that he actually he becomes a likable character by the end i totally agree he does become likable and and there's a specific moment that we can get into where I, I was like, oh, I was not expecting this movie mm -hmm. to do this, and it does it really well. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't like him at first. I came around. Yeah. I want to discuss um, my favorite little parts are um, a big part of this movie is Doris's daydreams, and you get to live them with her, which I just absolutely love, and they are all very heavily romantic novel type daydreams and yep. uh she develops a romantic interest when she goes to work well i should say a crush they're in tight quarters in an elevator and i love that scene where he's fixing <laughs> her glasses 
And he's, yep. oh my gosh, it was so funny. Max Greenfield is just playing Schmidt light in this movie. Yeah. So, I mean, and, which is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Uh-huh. It's, I mean, Max Greenfield is just charming as hell. Yes. Um, and a handsome man. Uh-huh. He just happens to play a new girl, a character who's also kind of a douchebag. So a lovable douchebag. Lovable douchebag, <laughs> but douchebag nonetheless. And in this one, you basically take Schmidt and remove the douchebaggery, mm-hmm. and that's John in this, which I'll take any day. Yes. <laughs> I love... Um, so we get to live these daydreams with her, and they're very over-the-top and great... Um, my favorite one is the coffee scene. Oh, yes. The one in the trailer. <laughs> yep. Um, she is, like, trying to get um, his attention and try to um, pursue this. Are we going to pursue this? <laughs> I'm <laughs> quoting him. That's what she says in the, he says in the, her daydream. Um, she spills coffee on his shirt and it just turns into a full blown, like they're making out on the countertop. It's just amazing. (laughs) It is amazing. I, I will say that while it is a little exaggerated, Uh um, the pose that she does as she's like, as you see her day daydreaming and (laughs) like, I, looked a little bit like mom (laughs) (laughs) yes the daydream so when she gets out of the daydream or like we're finally back to our reality and she's still stuck in her daydream she has this face where her mouth is open she has her arms at her side she's kind of just relaxed and it looks like she's kind of sleeping standing (laughs) up and it's the funniest thing ever yep and people are like doris Doris, (laughs) (laughs) she's being woken up in these like awkward positions. But yeah, yeah, I totally saw that too. That's what sold the that commercial scene. They included that, and that's what Uh sold the movie. We're like, we gotta watch it. It's funny. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, her with her daydreams are pretty great, and and I do have a question about the daydreams with the end. Oh yes, Um, but we'll. But another scene I really enjoyed was at their work. They're kind of um, adopting new practices and everything, kind of modernizing it. But everyone is getting their chair replaced with a workout ball. And that kind of pisses off uh, Doris. Um, But she has an idea. She decides to deflate the ball a little bit so she can... (laughs) And listeners, Zach is just cringing right now. (laughs) Um, But anyway, she is trying to make a move on Max Greenfield. She um, undoes, like, the air a little bit, and she sees that he has a bike pump. Because he rides a lot. So she asked for him to bring over his bike pump. And this scene is so, like, I don't know if I like it or if I don't. It just makes me uncomfortable. I don't know if it's a good or bad one. But it imitates sex. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't say the S-E-X word, Haley. But what no, did it you does. Think I mean, it's that scene. You ex- you talk about it. Oh, it 
I mean, it's... It's clearly poking fun at the romantic comedy, like, awkward setups where it's, you know, (laughs) doing something and it's oddly sexual to at least one person. Uh But this time it's it's him. So Doris is sitting on the exercise (laughs) ball. She refuses to get up. The pump is facing out towards uh, John, Max Greenfield, and he talks about how he has to put it in, and that means like putting the pump <laughs> yes. in it, and then he's got to like pump it, and he's got to, okay, and so hold on, bouncing. and then she's bouncing, and she's making like little sighs and moans because she's super excited because his face is right up against her face, and, and then there's just like odd little popping noises, and I don't know, it's very much like anyone walking by would go, oh, they're, they boning, they boning. Yes, and then when he pulls out the, like, thing and he plugs it, like, he even makes, like, a, he makes a face, and it, oh, my gosh. It was like, we see what they're doing there. That scene, they make it really obvious. Gross little perverts. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, that, that was a good scene. I, that for me was still at the point where I was like, what are they doing with this movie? And <laughs> is this going to be like too weird? And then they course correct. They don't course correct. It's just, I think they're trying to lighten the tone of what could be very sappy or sad mm-hmm. because Doris is a very, she's had a very challenging life mm-hmm. and she has missed out on some emotional and social development because of what she's been through with her mother. So a lot of this kind of reminds me of the book and I hate this book, but I always bring it up. So maybe I like it, but as an English teacher, we'll discuss it a little bit, but this book or this movie reminds me of the book of uh, Ethan Frome. (laughs) Have you seen, have you read it? I I read I read Ethan Frome in high school. Yes. Um and and that's that's when I learned what depression is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> why why does this make you think of Ethan Frome? So in Ethan Frome, his wife is a hypochondriac, meaning she thinks she is always sick and she's not really sick, but he just takes care of her. Right. Yeah, it's his it was his. Okay, so his mom was a was sick, and then he fell in love with the nurse, right? And the nurse was a hypochondriac. So anyway, he has stayed in this city forever just to take care of his family when he wanted to go to school and everything. He's never had a life of his own. It's always been taking care of others. And for me, that is Doris. Yes, 1,000%. Luckily, this movie doesn't have the depressing ending that Ethan Frome does. I know. That ending is so rough. <laughs> <laughs> well, thankfully, yeah, we we get, I think, a little bit of the opposite of that. But but I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's what I think makes the scene towards the end when Doris has her breakdown. What makes it work is that, you know, they hint at that she is... She has some challenges with her de- development and like who she is and yes. social development, emotional. De- 
And it comes out where, like, she starts freaking out like a kid. Mm-hmm. And then gets to have, you know, a Sally Field monologue where you fucking know everything you need to know about Doris yes. in that moment. So Yeah, there were some moments throughout the movie where she would do something and it's like that's kind of like what a child would do like she doesn't know how to interact well or maturely at all mm-hmm. and it was that those parts were a little rough to watch just because you felt bad yeah but i mean it it comes to make sense that like when she was in her very early 20s she was forced to just live with her mom and take care of her mom mm-hmm. so she spent her entire life being a child instead mm-hmm. of being an adult, like being a, a daughter and child to her mom instead of growing up. Yeah. So. Yeah. Some heavy stuff for a romantic comedy. It is. It is. But I still enjoy it. Um, my favorite sure. scene, though, will um, build it up until the commercial break, is the concert. The concert is so amazing. So Doris finds out that uh, Max Greenfield's character really likes this band, Baby Goya. Uh, Baby Goya and the nuclear weapons or I don't know. Nuclear winter or something. Nuclear winters. And it's something. (laughs) It's um, this electronic music and it's not bad, but it's not good either. And it's funny to see her, like, buy the CD, put it in her little, I don't know, radio thing, and play it. And she doesn't know how to dance to it, which is the funniest (laughs) thing ever. She's like, it, like, starts off, it sounds like it's broken, and she's, like, nodding her head, like, she doesn't know how to dance to it. But it was really funny to watch her learn how to do that. I feel like that's just how Sally Fields dance. maybe it could be (laughs) but she goes to the concert but um she's asking what to wear and they they're saying oh you should wear neon because neon is what people wear at electronic concerts and before the show she went and had dinner with her brother and her sister-in-law it was what do you have to say about that dinner Oh, just, I mean, her sister-in-law is just a jackass, um, uh, and so are her nephews. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, like, this, we're getting to the point where it transitions from me not being okay with this movie to me being okay with it. Because mm-hmm. once she's at the concert, then this movie clicks for me. Mm-hmm. But this scene almost broke me, mm-hmm. because I, I was like... This feels almost not real. Mm-hmm. That someone wouldn't be self-aware enough to like not wear that stuff to a dinner, mm-hmm. but then also like to not like the way that the sister-in-law talks to Doris almost didn't feel real. Except I have seen and experienced people talking to family members in that way mm-hmm. so i was like oh no that there are people who are just jackasses like mm-hmm. this in general yeah um i don't know it it was uncomfortable for me but it it was nice to see her like 
basically give them the finger and then go and have a great time and lead into probably one of the best scenes in the movie. Yes. What and What did you think about the dinner scene? Um, I mean, I would wear that to a dinner party. Um, <laughs> Doris, she has style, man. Um, what did I think? That the sister was a tool and that Doris had fun plans. Um, yeah, I, yeah, that whole fan, like you can kind of see where they're at cause their house is super nice. And Doris is living yeah. in this shithole because her and her mom are hoarders. But we will cover the fun part when we get back. And we're back. So as we were talking about, um, this movie goes from being a little awkward to going into probably the best, one of the best scenes in this movie, which is, Doris going to an electronic concert um, could have easily been set up as a way to make fun of her again. Uh-huh. But uh, Max Greenfield and Sally Fields do some great work and just like, she's come to this concert to have a good time. So let's show her having a good time. Mm-hmm. It's not even strictly romantic. She just, um, she gets up on Max Greenfield's shoulders and she just has a blast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mentioned at the beginning that this is like Doris living her 20s while she's 60. Yes. And this is what I was talking about. Like, she's going to a concert like she is a 20-year-old. And she's acting like a 20-year-old because she hasn't had the opportunity to, like, experience this type of fun. Mm-hmm. And she's dressed as herself and people are complimenting her. Um, and she like she has stumbled into a hipster den but she is so unironically herself that she is what the hipsters aspire to be oh my gosh that is so beautifully said that is exactly <laughs> what it's what is happening in this entire scene yeah and and her friend says they just want to make fun of you um, because you're an old lady in clothes, in, yeah. like, weird clothes, which maybe some of them do. But mm-hmm. hipsters just, like, ironically want to seem kind of um, quirky and odd and, like, dress in clothes that are not mainstream but still look kind of fashionable. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's just, that's Dora. She's... Mm-hmm. She's living in, like, she's not trying to look cool. She's just, oh, I have to wear neon? Then I'll wear neon. Mm-hmm. And um, so much so that she catches the eye of, I again, I put in my notes, I was like, <laughs> is that, god damn it, is that Jack Antonoff? <laughs> How did he get into this movie? So for those of you who don't know, Jack Antonoff is a, a uh, pretty big indie musician. Uh-huh. He's he was in he's in Fun. Mm-hmm. He's got a couple other bands like his own solo stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is also very famous yes. for um, being a music producer and songwriter. So he's done stuff with Taylor Swift, mm-hmm. Carly Rae Jepsen, which good stuff there um 
he, I mean, he just like, he's all over the place. You, Mm -hmm. you can look at his Wikipedia and he is the like indie producer, the one who artists will bring in to, to make their stuff sound fresh and cool. And so the fact that he shows up in this movie under the fucking name Baby Goya (laughs) and then sings a bad but not that bad song (laughs) and then is totally just, I mean, I don't think there's any acting going on. I feel like he's just being Jack Antonoff in Mm -hmm. the back going by a different name while, while Kyle Mooney just swears relentlessly and takes pictures yeah um, yeah I, I mean what what did you think when you saw Jack Antonoff I mean did you in 2015 did you know who Jack Antonoff was or was it more like watching it this time you were um so I knew who Jack Antonoff was um when I did watch it the first time funny story when I was in uh we're both originally from the Midwest, and I was in yearbook in high school, so we went to this yearbook convention in Iowa City, and Fun was playing that night, and I actually saw Fun walking, looking like they were, like, students with their backpacks on while I was <laughs> on the bus, and I still have that picture, but I was freaking, I was screaming on the school bus, like, that's Fun and of course, no one knows who Fun is because we were hipsters. <laughs> yes, we were. Um, but me and another guy who really likes Fun too were just freaking out, like, "Oh my gosh!" I snapped a picture right before we left, but um, that's my funny story. Um, anyway, when I saw him, I was like, "Ah, that's so cool!" <laughs> I didn't know he acted too, but I could see him in more roles. I liked him. Yep. And while while I did think it was weird that he's in this, his role actually sets off to make one of the best scenes in the movie, which is he's really into Doris and, like, how Doris is just... I mean, she is, like I said, she is what hipsters aspire to be, and so he sees her as, like, the perfect model. So he wants to put her on his next album cover Mm -hmm. and because she kind of gets the like cool backstage pass she just gets to hang out with people who again are like in their 20s or 30s and live her life just for that night as if she was 20 Mm -hmm. and I To me, I mean, it didn't hit the same emotional level for me because I was, I don't think I was as invested in Doris throughout this movie as I was with Lars. Mm-hmm. But this reminded me of the scene where Lars in Lars and the Real Girl goes to that party. Yes, I totally see that. Where he's finally kind of, where he's accepted and he's mm-hmm. having a good time. Mm-hmm. That's the scene to me. Mm-hmm. Um, to touch on, uh, yes, I'm glad you saw that because I actually compare the two together a lot because they're both kind of odd. Um, different movies, but it kind of has a same feeling in a, some ways. Uh, I but get that. one thing I wanted to add to your uh, Jack Antonoff uh, when he's inviting her. 
I think the reason why he picked her also is she is the realest person in that room. Like everyone else is trying to be someone that they are not. Don't don't you get that too? Oh, one hundred percent. Because everyone's like trying to. Oh man, baby boy, I love you. Yeah. And she just goes, Yeah, it was good. I think you had too much swearing and it was a little yeah. loud. But <laughs> yes, I loved her comments. Like, and he accepted it too, which I love. Um, but she was the realest person there. And to go off that, we're going to talk about what some of these hipsters do at that concert. <laughs> You're listening. <laughs> my, my favorite was I teach at a preschool for um, kids on the LGBTQ. Like yes, she preschoolers teaches at a gay who, preschool. Yeah, at a gay preschool, which I, I think it's more not, you know, obviously kids are going to be, some kids will be able to express themselves very early mm-hmm. on, you know, what their identities are. But I think it's just the way that it's presented of, yeah, I I teach at a gay preschool. <laughs> like, it's just a odd way to phrase it. <laughs> I don't change them. They changed me. I was like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, it's very much that pretentious, like, yes almost like fake advocate stuff of saying things to sound cool or yes. sound important because <laughs> yes. hipsters. <laughs> um, I cut my own candy bars or, and they all have a haiku wrapped inside of them. <laughs> <laughs> there was another one. Oh, there's one with vanilla. Like she was trying to create her own vanilla where it had a bean in it and they're all different beans. <laughs> just like little weird shit that's like no one will buy this. <laughs> You're just it's it's basically a it's basically a concert full of people from Portland. <laughs> I've been to Portland and it is <laughs> it brought me back. I was like, this is Portland right here. I love yep. Portland. Not dissing. You guys have the best food. Um, one of my favorite restaurants ever. But yes. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. But, yeah, no, great scene. Um, I mean, we haven't really talked about Doris's best friend, Roz, who I think is kind of the um, unsung hero of this movie, like Mm -hmm. calling people fascists or, (laughs) you know, just yelling at young people and but always being, you know, she is. Doris has kind of lost her one true tie to family, but Roz is really her family. Mm-hmm. So love Roz. And, you know, in this scene, she's skipping out on Thanksgiving to be mm-hmm. at this concert. And Roz still loves her, even though she's upset. Yes. Oh, I thought it was because she went to another Thanksgiving. Well, the I I think the tradition was she's supposed to go to her bro- typically she goes to her brother's and then goes to Roz's. Oh. But in this one, but in this occasion, she went to her brother's and skipped Roz's. I see. Um, I liked, yeah, I love Roz in this. Um, but she notices over time, uh, Max Greenfield starts to pull away. He gets a girlfriend who is uh, one of the main girls from Two Broke Girls. And she is pretty much amazing. I love her. She's a great person. 
And she's Doris, great. you can just see Brooklyn. her snarl when she's starting to sing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, Doris gets really drunk. She types, uh, she created a fake account to stalk Max Greenfield, which she kind of screws it all up and writes. I don't know what this is. <laughs> what she wrote, <laughs> what she posted was so dramatic and so over the top. <laughs> it's just. Well, she's 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 been having these fantasies, these daydreams, like she's in a romance novel. Mm -hmm. And now she's writing her own version of that mm -hmm. um, between herself and Max Greenfield's character. But she makes the mistake of drunk posting on social media. So, yes, she does that. They break up, which was a very public breakup. Like that would make me so uncomfortable if I witnessed that wildly uncomfortable oh my gosh um they end up becoming close again he invites her to i have never heard this term before i had to look it up an orphan thanksgiving have you heard of that uh -huh. oh, yep. I've, never, I've only heard of friendsgiving it's the same yeah. thing That's i call it discovered. you know i've i've i used to hold friendsgiving occasions back when i lived in sierra vista mm -hmm. um but yeah, it's, you know, there's Orphan Christmas and Orphan Thanksgiving. It's mm -hmm. same concept. Yeah. Um, he invites her to that and she skips out on Roz's thing and uh, he asks her. Oh, this scene is funny. So when he's inviting her, he's talking about Brooklyn. He's like, I was so depressed. I even put on her jeans. I'm still wearing them right now. <laughs> that was good. Um, so he asks her right before they go if she is into younger men. And um, I don't know to you, but that would throw me off, too. Like, I wouldn't know what that would mean if I were Doris. Oh, oh, for sure. I yes. mean, that's. There's no subtlety to that. It's he should have been talking about himself, not some weird uncle. Uncle Frank, belts uncle and Frank. leather and belts. <laughs> I don't know. He wore a cowboy hat. Um, <laughs> so I should get Michael a bunch of belts because clearly you like that. No. <laughs> um. It was just a weird thing. Belts and buckles. I'm like, got it. Okay. Belts and buckles. <laughs> she goes to uh, this orphan Thanksgiving. She gets uh, all dolled up. Very pretty. Um, and she gets... A little drunk. Drunk. A little. It's like, it's... She is so drunk. <laughs> so drunk. She's Haley on election night drunk. She, she's yes, yes, she is. <laughs> she's she's Zach in Vegas drunk. <laughs> yes, she's Zach in Vegas drunk. Um, <laughs> um, but she is kind of inviting him over and uh, asking to go in the bedroom, and it kind of just unfoils from there. Like we find out he's not indoor. He met. The younger men was the uncle, and... And his buckles. Yeah, just, it <laughs> collapses. It's just, it's, she tries to make a move. It just goes really wrong. Uh, yeah. 
So there's that. Um, do you have anything to add to Thanksgiving, Friendsgiving? No, it's, I mean, it's, it's really sad. It's kind of the freight train that you see coming that, like, she, again, she's experiencing her 20s, so she's got her, like, first crush since her fiancé left her. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, in everything that she describes, John is her fiancé. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of the attraction is that how she describes her fiancé that left, it's John. Yes, so, it totally is. When she said brown eyes. A big smile, yeah, all yes. that. So, um, she is, she has probably not had to experience heartbreak since her 20s. Mm-hmm. And this is a romantic comedy, so it's... It's going to happen, and mm-hmm. sadly, it sadly for Doris, great for us, it leads to probably, it, it leads to my favorite scene in the movie, which mm-hmm. is her, her breakdown and, like, panic attack, scream attack that she has with her brother and her therapist. Yes, I agree. That I uh, actually cried during that scene, but we will... I t- teared up. You did? Oh, good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I was crying. I was so upset. But we'll touch on that at the next commercial break. And we're back. So yes. probably my favorite scene in this movie is Doris's freak out. Um, as Haley mentioned, Doris is a hoarder. And so was her mom. And their house is a mess. And the therapist comes over with the brother and sister-in-law and they try to do the, what do you want to keep? What do you want to donate? What do you want to throw away? And Doris is trying to do this like process, but she's also freaking out because the dick bag of a sister-in-law is there Mm -hmm. just fucking with her stuff. And so... She has a freak out and it she goes through like so many emotions where it's first like justified anger mm-hmm. in the sister-in-law trying to take the pencil of John to like childish freak out of mm-hmm. like screaming and like jumping up and down on a couch. Uh, no, you know. no, 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 no. Yeah, just saying no, 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 and to the point where the therapist and the sister-in-law have to leave to her just, like, yelling and crying just incoherently, and then the brother saying, I am disappointed in you. Mm-hmm. And and this is the point where I was like, okay, he is full-on douchebag. Mm-hmm. I hate him. And then she rightfully goes, you're disappointed in me, and just bears her soul of, like, you left me. Mm-hmm. I I was... It could have been me. This life that you're talking about that you had to go out and work, that could have been me, but you made me stay here. Yeah. And him rushing over to her, and I, I can't even remember the words because I was just wrapped up in the the emotions of the scene and I was tearing up and Sally Fields was knocking out of the park but Stephen Root comes in and he I think really sells like there's an apology and just a sense of 
he knows he fucked up mm-hmm. and he can't, he can't talk to her like that because I think the whole I'm disappointed in you is probably a combination of sadness that his mom has died and some guilt about what he's done to his sister. Mm-hmm. And then seeing her lose herself mm-hmm. is, I think, the trigger for him to, for them to have a moment. They probably have a better reconciliation off screen. But you can see in them talking that, like, their relationship is going to get better. Yes. And that that's why I loved that scene. So. Yes, I agree. That was a powerful scene right there. It was so intense and, oh, it was so good. It was just what we needed to know how they got to where they were. And we know, like you said, we know everything about Doris right there. Yep. Yes. And can I just say that I love that the therapist, she's from the House of Haunting Hill, or what is it? Oh, yeah, the that, that TV show, yes. The House on... Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, she's very good in that, too. Yes. Um, I wanted to discuss um, Roz. Uh, after she skipped out on Thanksgiving, she called up Roz and kind of let her know what happened. And Roz was over there literally in a heartbeat. She had leftovers. She was just there for her, even though, like, Doris has been absent and not available for the past couple of months for Roz. And it was just the sweetest thing ever. Just, like, she brushed it under the rug, like, I'm here for you now. What can I do for you? And this is probably my favorite quote. It's uh, when Doris is saying, I have nothing to look forward to now. And it's like she has nothing like her crush. It's not going to go anywhere. And Roz comes back saying, yeah, you do. You got two different kinds of stuffings in that fridge. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. It's just like that simple thing. I was like, that would make me happy. (laughs) That's something to look forward to. I know know that we're our kind of title for this this month is blood is thicker than water but what's really nice is that even though this movie deals with like a family that has fallen apart uh, doris still has found family doris Mm -hmm. is her family and i love that yeah without hesitation roz is just there Mm -hmm. so it's powerful um i love the cleanup scene too when she does finally get decide to get rid of that one ski, the one yep. useless ski. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the montage in it, I loved the music and everything and how it was just swelling. Oh. Yep. What did you and think the of brother, that? I loved it. I love that the brother's there. I love the way it's shot. It's a, like, it's a nice side pan where you it shows them in a room and then the camera, like, slides over as if it's going through a wall and then it's cutting to a different scene and it's just sliding back and forth the side pan uh, i know that there's an episode of every frame of painting Mm -hmm. on like the panning from side to side it's um if you if you have watched and cried to the first 15 minutes of up no um don't do that 
<laughs> Don't bring it up. No, you can bring it up. Man, that uses the side pan where it, you know, it shows them like putting the nursery together and then it pans to the right and you're seeing like a passage of time and then it shows them in the doctor's office. Um, that's the same technique that they're using here. And it's a mm -hmm. great way to do a montage of like going back and forth throughout the house and you seeing the progress of the, the home looking beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that part. I love the song in it too. Mm hmm. Um, Who, what song is that? I didn't look it up. Ooh. Um, I don't know, but it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't look it up either. <laughs> um, and then the ending. The ending was just, ugh. I know we've talked a lot about great endings, but this one, oh, it's so great. I love this it. This is a chef's kiss ending for yes, you? Yes, it's a chef's kiss ending. I'll let you build <laughs> it up, and I'll end it. Well, it's, I mean, Doris, after selling her house, she decides that she's fucking done with the pity job she's got where she's mm -hmm. still at a low-level accounting thing. Mm -hmm. So she quits her job, gives away a bunch of her stuff, um, fucking whips her exercise ball at her boss, who's <laughs> been a dick the whole movie, um, and just, like, packs up to leave. Like, she's mm -hmm. just... She's ready to move on to the next chapter of her life because while she doesn't have as much time left as she would have a long time ago, but she's ready for a new chapter. Uh, but before she leaves, she has to say goodbye to John. And I'll let you take it from there. Cause... Yes. So um, she says goodbye to John. It was, she apologized. Um, she was really sweet. Um, he didn't really respond back to her, which is fine. And she had a daydream as she was going to the, or waiting for the elevator to come up, that John comes out and says, hey, wait. And he runs up to her, and he's like, let's give this a go. Do you want to go to a movies or date or anything like that? Let's take it slow and see where it goes. Um, daydream doesn't happen. But when she gets into the elevator, the doors are starting to close, and you see, oh, I got goosebumps. You see John say, hey, Doris, wait. And the doors close. Oh, it's so good. I and just love smiles. how they leave it. Yes. I love how they leave that open. Yep. Such a feel-good ending. And she's gone. And I love it. Mm -hmm. No, it's, it's great that it doesn't end in a kiss and that it's them just like... So... I know he does run after her, but when I watched it the first time, I I thought she was having a daydream again. Oh, really? Like, I thought she has the daydream, uh -huh. and she comes out of it, she gets in the elevator, and she's standing there, and I thought the smile was, she's okay to just live with her daydream of being chased after. Mm -hmm. I think he probably actually does chase after her uh -huh. in reality, but I also, I think it's interesting that she's kind of just okay with having her daydreams mm-hmm so I like that but yeah I think I think an absolutely wonderful end to the movie mm-hmm so do, do you have anything else you want to add no I'm I'm really happy you recommended this movie um I think it was an interesting viewing experience I know we had uh the crown 
kind of in between. Mm-hmm. But I I do like that we watched Lars and the Real Girl and then this. Mm-hmm. As like I think they're good companion pieces. Oh, absolutely. So, so this, this this is good. Yeah, they are like if you look it up, it'd be like similar movies, and Lars and the Real Girl pops up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, so it does. no good good choice. Yes. Um, the next thing I just wanted to bring up, I found this little weird. I don't know. Well, we can kind of get into it, but Sally Fields is known for this very famous Oscar speech that people make fun of it make fun of her for, but I think it's really endearing and cute, and I'll even Mm -hmm. poke fun at it, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Yep. The, you like me, you really like me. Yep. But, does it go like that? (laughs) It doesn't. Nope. I looked up the YouTube video just to watch it, and she actually says, you like me, right now you like me. And the reason why this is such a big deal is because everyone has heard the other way around. And it's called the Mandela effect. It's an unusual, this is from Healthline. (laughs) Yep. Um, An unusual phenomenon where a large group of people remember something differently than how it occurred. So, I don't know. Do you remember her speech that way? Yes, because that's what was like you know, perpetrated through, I think, culture was, that's what she said, you like me, you really like me. Um, And it is, I I mean, it is a classic example of the Mandela effect, so. I I mean, have you, do you know of any other ones? Because I've got the big one, or two big ones, I guess. I want to listen to yours. Oh, well, there's the, the Bernstein Bears how that's spelled, and then there's also, um, for a large group of kids, there's the belief that, um, what is it, what's his name, there is the movie called Kazam with Shaquille O'Neal, but there were, about a genie, but there's also belief that there was, there was one called Shazam with, um, Shit, I'm forgetting his name. Um, but with another actor, it's a movie that doesn't exist. But a lot of people believed that it was this movie that starred another actor that had the same concept as Kazam, but it was called Shazam. And it's not real. What? That's yeah. crazy. Like, these little oh. things. I know. <laughs> It's wild. But yeah, Sally Fields, that's what she was most famous for for a while. And then she became Forrest Gump's mom and was cool Shit. again. Shit. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yep. yep. That was her. She's just, <laughs> and she was a flying nun too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, Sally Fields. Yes. She's so, I, oh, a fun, funny thing. Um, she lives in New York and she's actually. This is going to mean nothing to you, but it means everything to me. <laughs> She's neighbors with uh, uh, pretty much the main person at Bravo, Andy Cohen. They, oh, uh, really? Yeah, they have the same floor and everything. So I think that's oh, nice. pretty crazy. Yeah. 
So the next movie that we are going to do next is called The Farewell. Me and Zach have both not seen it, and I'm excited to watch it. Do you have anything to add about it? You picked it. Yeah, it's my pick. Um, I am very excited to see it. It's um, it stars Aquafina, and it it. I'm. We've been doing, I think, some lighter movies. I think this one's going to be heavy. Oh no! Because I don't, I don't know if you've watched the trailer, but um, it's it deals with like. Uh, I. The main character, who's like I think in her twenties, Bill. I think, think, you know, cor- I'll correct myself next week. It's her building a relationship with her grandmother, uh, right before her grandmother dies, mm. and like what it means to the family that this woman is dying. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like that family dynamic. It's it's probably going to be heavy, but I've heard nothing but phenomenal things about it so i'm excited but also dreading it a little bit (laughs) i uh, now that you say that it's sad oh no i could use a good cry right now i'm stuck inside why not fair (laughs) we also have to get ready for i think our bonus episode (gasps) yes we we, i think we need to start doing some some polls for that because we've got um we're we're doing a listener's choice uh, for our like final episode in um, in November, and it's two movies that I suggested and two movies that Haley suggested, and we're gonna let you, the listeners, choose. So, yes. Haley, are you gonna put something up on Instagram? I can do something on Twitter. Yes, um, I, I'll talk to you about it um, a little bit, but I'm gonna do some polls. And some posts, and I'm excited. Cool. Nice. Okay, well, uh, thank you so much for listening. Please rate and subscribe to our podcast. We, uh, um, we'd we love to get some feedback from you, hear what you have to say. And um, I think the one caveat is uh, uh, please give us some feedback if you've actually listened to the show. Uh, don't just send dumb oh, douchebag yeah. messages. Guys, we, <laughs> we got had our, our first... first troll. Yeah, we. I, I feel like maybe it's a badge of honor, but we had our first troll. I uh, had to message Haley and just get her to talk me down from a ledge <laughs> because I was ready to go just down the dark rabbit hole of trying to argue with a troll who wanted to start a fight even though... They hadn't even listened to our podcast, so. Yes. Yes. Um, we block trolls, so don't even think about it, because it doesn't affect us. You'll be blocked. Boy, bye. <laughs> Boy, bye. Um, but yes, we, we'd love to hear if you've listened. Uh, we do, like, if you've got some negative comments or some constructive criticism, we'll take it. Just don't be a troll. Yes, and please follow us on Instagram at us laughing at us and Twitter at siblings laugh. Tell your uh, pet lizard that we say hello. And give them a DJ name too; they deserve it. Baby Goya is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Gecko Goya. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Laughing at Ourselves. 
Bye, guys. Bye.